This is episode 264, Overcoming the Fear of Loss with Rachel. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that this podcast can continue to be a place of healing, a place of upliftment, and a place of connection for you during this time when there's just so much going on. There's just so much going on and so much to process and so much that we're seeing in the world that just mm, is hard to see and hard to face. And I know that a lot of you've had your own things coming up as well. So please keep coming back to the show, especially the coaching episodes, because you'll always find a piece of yourself in everyone who calls in. And that's something that's really kept me connected is knowing that I'm not alone knowing that we're all in this human thing together, despite our gender, our age, our race, our socioeconomic status, no one escapes the human experience. And the more we hold space for and acknowledge and heal our own pain, the more we're able to hold space for the pain of others and take action to to help in any way that we can from a more grounded, less reactive, more giving rather than needy place. So I just encourage you to continue to fill your ears and your eyes and your head with information that, that calls you forward, but not in a scary way, not in a fearful way. This isn't the time to put our head in the sand and ignore what's going on, but it's also not the time to bombard ourselves with media and news that just creates more fear. So find the outlets, continue to find the people and the outlets that lovingly call you forward while also just holding loving space for you too, and keep you out of a lot of the fear that so many of us are subjected to on, on a daily basis, not just this year, but, but always we live in very much more fear-based world than a faith-based world. And by faith, I don't mean any specific religion, but most of us in our daily life are consciously or unconsciously programmed with more fear-based types of things. There isn't a consistent programming unless you spend your entire day listening to Abraham Hicks or something positive like that. Um, There isn't that consistent programming that we're exposed to that we are one, we are loved, we have all the inner resources within us, even though that's more true. And in so many ways, I feel like that's the truth we're moving into. And I'm going to do a longer episode on this, but I just want to speak to spiritual bypass for a moment. I've seen a lot of people who are talking about how this is the great awakening and a new consciousness is coming in, being told that they're spiritual bypassing. Is that true? Yes and no. From my perspective, spiritual bypassing is when we ignore 
the feelings, the emotion, the realities of what's going on and just jump to the silver line and it's all going to be okay. I think that there is, well, I feel and sense that there is some truth in that we are in an awakening time. We are being asked to shift into a new consciousness. And despite how hard this year has been for so many of us, it also is this, well, as I would say, an expectation hangover that's leading to a massive transformation. So it's not a spiritual bypass to believe and hold that we're really shifting into a different consciousness. It's only bypassing if you're ignoring the pain that's part of that process. So either ignoring and not holding a loving space of compassion and relatability for people that are in a lot of pain or ignoring your own pain or both. So the spiritual bypassing part is really about when we ignore the reality, the pain, the triggers that are going on and just jump to, it's all for good. Yes, we want to have that spiritual altitude and that spiritual perspective. We don't want to bypass the realness of what's going on and what we're triggered by. Again, we don't want to get too into it and think that's the only reality. We really want to hold the vision of this is a breakdown for a breakthrough, but also hold so much compassion for what is real for ourselves or for so many people. So it's, it's, it's both. It's being able to walk in the pain with compassion and process our stuff while also holding that vision of a new consciousness, everything happening for a reason, and really feeling like we can lean into faith and move out of fear. So I hope that clears some of it up because I've seen a lot of questions around spiritual bypassing and what it really means at this time. So today's episode, I have Rachel, and it's a beautiful example of what more of a conversational coaching episode looks like. And I'll share a little bit more in the breakdown, but there was a certain point in the conversation where digging deep or unpacking everything wasn't really what Rachel specifically I felt needed the most. It was more like forming a loving connection and being more conversational with her. And again, I'll share more in the outro, but I always like to point out that there's different approaches with different people based on what they need, because one size does not fit all when it comes to anything, coaching, diet, supplements, all of that. We're all so similar in so many ways, but also just so unique in so many ways. So as you're listening to this conversation with Rachel, consider are you not getting into a relationship because you really don't want one or because you're scared? Do you have a history of loss? Has loss been a major teacher for you? You've lost different people in your life and often you're afraid that if anyone gets too close, you'll lose them. Do you spend a lot of time alone and perhaps think that you like that better? And finally, do you believe that a lot of your inner child wounding could actually be healed in relationship? Or do you avoid relationship or hold back in relationship because you're afraid you're going to get hurt more? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching session with Rachel. Before we dive in, let's talk about stylish, sustainable shoes and bags made by one of my favorite companies for fashion, which is Rothy's. 
So Rothy's makes sustainable shoes and bags that come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns, and of course, styles. Rothy's shoes are seamlessly knit with a thread made from plastic water bottles, so they're ultra comfortable as soon as you slip them on. That's right, there's zero break-in period. And I have to say that, well, in today's world where I'm not traveling and doing as much as I used to do, on those occasions when I do go out, I always grab my Rothy shoes because they are just so comfortable. And since honestly, I don't wear shoes most of the time, especially now, if I am gonna put on a shoe, I want it to be Rothy's. Other things I love about Rothy's is they come with free shipping and free returns. They've kept over 60 million single-use plastic bottles out of landfills and transformed them into their signature thread, which is then knit into beautiful, sustainable products. They are fully machine washable. Every time they need a refresh, you can simply toss them in the washing machine. And Rothy's owns and operates their own manufacturing workshop where they prioritize sustainability every step of the way. So go to rothys.com slash over. That's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash over for your new favorite shoes or bag. Remember style and sustainability to create your new favorites in your closet. Enjoy rothys.com slash over. And now on to my coaching session with Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the show. How can I help? Thanks so much, Christine. Well, something that I've been noticing lately is that I'm, as I'm trying to sort of jump back into dating and and kind of feel like that relationship component is missing from my life. For a long time, I really never, it really didn't feel that way, but it's something that's becoming more clear to me. And I'm wondering also if there's a block for me even in recognizing um, the value of a romantic relationship because of some of the losses I experienced um, mm. as a child and actually even as an adult. And so just curious and, and wanted to kind of get your perspective on how to not allow those thoughts or that idea. Because it almost feels like in my bones, sometimes I feel like... Mm a relationship isn't right for me in this lifetime, you know, mm. like that I, I, there's a lot I have to work on in order to maintain a full-time job, you know, just maintain a life on my own. It, it's, it's really honestly just to say that, to stay stable in a job for a few years and not escape or avoid through, through different ways, mm. you know, that takes a lot of work on my part. Um, Mm -hmm. and so adding in a relationship almost to me, is like, are you kidding? I can barely make it through the week just, Mm. just with this. And I realize how different that is from my peers that they have children. They have, you know, now I'm sitting here like, how could I don't, you know, I, I I need a nap a lot of days. Mm. (laughs) So yeah, Mm. that's, that's kind of where I am. Mm. Well, it's interesting. Why do you think a relationship wouldn't actually help? with all of that. Like, it's interesting to me that you think a relationship would take more work versus actually help you feel lighter in your life. That's really interesting. Yeah. I've never, yeah. So, and that comes from wounding, of course, that, that we always are, well, not always until we do our healing, our perception is influenced by our wounding. 
because we expect to see what we've seen our whole life. It's sort of like if I brought you into the room I'm in and said, okay, look around this room and tell me everything that's blue. Yeah. And then you closed your eyes and I'm like, okay, now tell me the things that were brown. You'd have a hard time remembering because you were just looking for the blue. And that's often how it is in life based on what we believe to be true. It's like things in your life have been draining and felt overwhelming. I imagine if you had a lot of loss, and I'll ask you about that in a second, you had to figure out a lot on your own. So life just felt more overwhelming because people weren't really there for you to help you navigate it. And so even a relationship is going to feel overwhelming. Does that make sense? That's spot on because that's something my therapist and I talk about all the time and she helps me try to see that it makes sense that I think that there's this perfect answer. There's this right answer that somehow I don't have access to, but that in reality, it's an imperfect world. It's an imperfect, you know, so Mm -hmm. many things like, so yeah, that's, it's spot on. And tell me about where your experience with loss started. So when I was seven, I lost my mom um, to cancer Mm. and from that point, um, she was going through a divorce with my father at the time. And so he was really not in a position to, um, and she kind of did not want us to be with him. And so the way that she had it set up when she passed is that, um, three of us went with one relative, one of us went with another. And then, because one of the three that went with the one relative was, was 17 or 18. He kind of just wasn't around anyway, but then, um, that relative that took, took us in decided was unable to care for us actually. Mm. And then sent my brother to one relative and I went to another. And so I, didn't really put, I never saw that picture clearly, honestly, until a few years ago when a therapist pointed out that I had lost my brothers as like my, mm-hmm. you know, I always would just say I lost my mom, but that the truth was I had kind of lost, um, your brothers too. What I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your and family. so that's that piece. And then, you know, at 13 or 14 was adopted by a family friend and, And, you know, thankfully she, you know, was able to break through kind of all of my resistance and running away. And, um, we really, we grew so close, uh, Mm. so unbelievably close. And it was like my heart's joy to have a mom again, to belong, to have a person, right. To turn to for those questions in life, to navigate things and, Um, And she passed away um, Mm. unexpectedly about six years ago. Mm. And I, I, it's honestly taken me, you know, even just this last year, I've realized how much my life has changed with her not being in it. And I spent, I had, I did spend so much time with her, you know, Mm. because I craved that mother relationship and it just, filled me so much. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I just had a massive insight and you tell me if this lands. I'm wondering, are are you heterosexual? Do you want a relationship with a man? Okay. I'm wondering if the reason why you don't feel like a relationship is in your future or right for you 
is because you know the a relationship with a man can never fill the void of a mother. I think so. I yeah, I have thought that too. Yeah. And that I'm look what I want is more of a caretaker. Yeah. And more of yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. So what I'm hearing is there's a part of you that wants a relationship and there's a part of you that doesn't. Yeah. And that's that's normal. We all have multiple parts, more than just two. And they all have different intentions and different woundings and different ways they're trying to protect us and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like your present and future self would love a relationship, would love to fall in love and have a family and actually have someone there for you because you've lost so much and you've been bounced around so much. And just when you get close to someone, they, they die or they're taken away or, and so there's also this part of you that's like, no, that's too scary. That's too risky. I don't want to love. And then there's this other little girl part of you that just wants a mommy. So she's like, well, no man can ever fill that void. So why bother? Cause he's just going to be a disappointment. Cause I really want a mom. So you've got these three primary ones, right? The one that really wants it, the one that's like, no, because it'll hurt too much if I lose again. And then the one that's like, well, why bother? Because nothing's going to live up to a mother. Does that kind of sum it up? Yeah. 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 (laughs) So the question then becomes, and don't worry about the how, I just want to ask you the question. When you, like close your eyes for a moment. And when you really feel into your heart, Rachel, and you really feel into what you want your life to look like, let's say a year from now. And without any, like without going into logics or logistics or how will you manage or any of those kinds of things, what would you like your life, especially your relational life, your family life, what would you like that to look like? I would love to have someone that I felt really connected and close to that has my back. I have their mm-hmm. back and that we're on the path together mm-hmm. and that I can count on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you deserve that. You deserve that. And, you know, one thing I can say, and, and you've listened to the show, so you know that of course there's a, the piece about, You've really got to be that inner mother to yourself. That's the only way you can fill that void is by really being that mother to that little girl inside of you, really tapping into your own nurturing and caretaking qualities. Even something like, do you have any animals? I don't. Okay. That would be, I think, a really good step. What comes up for you when I say that? It's hard to make that commitment. <laughs> no. But yeah. know that, know that the, the mind thinks it's a commitment piece, but it's really the fear of losing piece. Mm. Right. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, but the more that you tap into that nurturing energy, and a puppy or a kitten or something like that is a beautiful mm-hmm. igniter and catalyst of that nurturing energy. The more you're going to start to feel that inside yourself, really, truly. And that's a big part because we're dealing with right these three different parts, right? The part of you that wants it. And then the two pieces that are keeping it away are the part that doesn't want to lose again. And the part that 
knows that relationship can never fill that because you're right. A relationship with a man can never give you mothering. (laughs) That's just not, it's just not what a romantic relationship is. However, I do want to say that relationships, especially conscious relationships. And I think that in this time when so many paradigms are being broken down, I mean, 2020 talk about breakdown to breakthrough, right? There's so many systems and things breaking down. And I think one of, one of those things is the institution of marriage or relationships. We're doing it differently. We're bringing more consciousness into relationships because just like consciousness hasn't been in government or healthcare or those types of things, it hasn't really been in relationships either. And what's beautiful about a conscious relationship is that a lot of those inner child needs that weren't met can actually be met in a conscious relationship. Now, we have to first meet them on our own, right? We have to first find that inner parent inside of us so that we're not projecting onto our partner, please come be my mommy or daddy. But in that conscious relationship, there's also this beautiful opportunity where the inner child starts to feel safe. And a lot of the nurturing that you're craving, even though it will be from a man and it's not your mommy, it will touch a place in your heart that you may not be able to get to completely on your own. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And that's the part that I don't know yet to want a, rela- a relationship, right? Because I haven't experienced that. And you mentioning that gives me a whole new perspective too and hope on on finding a relationship that matches that you know allows for that consciousness so yeah that's really really helpful and you know you lost your mom at a very i mean any time to lose a parent is is hard as a child or young adult or just any time but it's especially hard as a child and as a seven-year-old and seven, the transition from seven to eight is a really important one because at seven, we're kind of still connected to the magic of the universe and spiritual world Mm -hmm. and all that. And then at eight is when reality, (laughs) the veil drops and reality sets in on a more profound level. And so to lose your mom at the same time, you're losing a connection with the divine Mm -hmm is like Mm -hmm. a double whammy. Mm -hmm. So not only, and most people between seven and eight start to lose that connection with the divine, whatever that magical connection is, some are aware, some aren't. And it's, it's not, you know, it's not an intentional thing. It just seems to happen with the way the brain develops and where our society works. Our society doesn't really nurture our spirituality. And so I can imagine that at that age, the loneliness that you felt, oh my gosh, devastating, devastating. Well, I think that my brain protected me from that, you know, and I think that that's been all of this work is that grief and that, which exhausts me. But, and like I said, I, I haven't really, I've begun to notice more of a whole Mm -hmm. Um, and feel that. mm -hmm. Yeah. The thing about when we 
suppress grief and especially that feeling of being alone and disconnect yeah. is that the way we will often cope with it is just to live a very lonely life. Yeah. Like yeah. live a very solitary life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like to, it sounds counterintuitive, but to avoid feeling your loneliness, you live a lonely life. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But my sense is that's not what you want. That's true. That you want to open. And, you know, it's interesting because when I went into, you know, my, my compassion for what you went through at seven, it, you, you went straight to, well, my brain protected me from it. It's like, Mm. there's a part of you that didn't want to go into that. And I, I don't want to bring you back into your pain, but I would love to invite you into your compassion for yourself and how hard that was to go through. And there's a difference between reliving our pain from more that victim place of this is happening to me than from that place of compassion of, oh, this happened and it was really hard. And I'm just going to love myself while I feel a little bit of that twinge of pain or that, that big pain. I'm just going to have so much compassion for myself while I feel that. Yeah. Can you feel the difference? I can definitely feel the difference. Um, yeah, I think I just get kind of lost when that comes up. So sorry. And I know, I don't know if we're at time or anything, but, um, yeah, no, 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 don't worry about time. Let me worry about that. And I'm not even worried about it. But again, that's that part of you that one thinks on some level, people don't want her. And two is more comfortable hiding because it feels safer. And by you talking to me and you sharing so openly and vulnerably, that's courageous. That's really brave, Rachel, really brave. And I think it's also important for that little girl inside of you to know that you're willing to get her needs met. Like Mm. you're willing to ask for help. You're willing to put yourself out there. You're willing to get connection. I think it's beautiful that you've been to therapy and I'm wondering how your vulnerability translates to other aspects of your life. Like, do you allow your friends to see you? Do you, do you let anyone in? I mean, I think that's a great question. I've had a lot of defenses around that and Mm have realized how much I judge. And, and you know, I have a friend that I've been friends with now for 20 years, and I just have come to realize how grateful I am for that friendship. But there were many times when I would question, what do I get from that friendship? Or I would judge or, you know, I just, it's like stopping before you start of like, <laughs> How can, how does, I don't even, I, I'm kind of losing my train of thought. That's but okay. Just, just. Y- you know, it's, yeah, it, it definitely shows up mm-hmm. in all relationships. Mm-hmm. No question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how old are you now? Uh, 41. Mm-hmm. And so it's time. It's time to start 
Well, let me ask you this. Are you willing to risk it, Rachel? Like, would you rather live alone, not love, not have too many people close to you, or have a puppy, a boyfriend, people in your life, and yeah, risk losing them, but they'd be there. You know, it's sort of like, do you want to play it safe? And either is fine. Mm -hmm. Or are you willing to actually go for what you deeply desire? I think it's exactly why I'm on this call. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. You know, and your story of loss, it impacts you, but it doesn't have to define you. And I think sometimes we think because multiple losses happen, we're just going to create more of them. And then we get confused with the law of attraction and we're like, well, this just must be my destiny and I'm just going to create more loss. And we grow to expect it. But when you can really get to what is your soul's learning from that loss, like when you really get the lesson, you don't have to keep repeating it. Mm. So let me ask you this. Why do you think, let's kind of go on a spiritual level here. Why do you think that or feel or sense that in this lifetime, especially in your early childhood and adolescence, you signed up to experience so much loss? What do you think your soul's working to learn? Well, I wonder, I I probably would not have been able to answer this question, except that I have listened to a lot of your podcasts and it makes me think that my soul may have signed up to learn about mothering myself Mm -hmm. or nurturing myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also knowing that just because someone leaves a physical body doesn't mean their love for you stops. Mm -hmm. Do you ever communicate with your mom? I do more so I think my adopted mom, but I think that with my biological mom that I lost at seven, I think it's much feels much more of like a, she communicates on a much more subtle level. Like Mm -hmm. I feel, um, especially with work, I'm being grounded right now. Like I always wanted to kind of leave corporate life and explore different avenues. And I tried that and kind of hit some roadblocks. And so I think, and but I think there's a lot for me to learn where mm-hmm. I'm at in my work. And it feels like I'm, the universe is just kind of keeps like, you need to sit down a little bit longer. You need to focus mm-hmm. on this a little bit longer. There are gifts here for you. So I feel like she communicates in that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like the nights I'm crying or during the day, I talk so much more to my adopted mom and probably that's just the nature of, you know, we had a long, longer time together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you think she would tell you if she was here in physical form? Oh, gosh, that's a tough one because she got divorced. And <laughs> I, I think, though, that especially seeing my sister and my adopted sister and my adopted brother married, and that's part of why I'm kind of like starting to see how much one can get from that relationship. I think that she would not want me to live a lonely life, Mm -hmm. you know, not want, not want it to be because I'm hiding Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that if for whatever reason I stay single, that that, you know, is a choice, a choice I am making and not a default. 
Right. Exactly. There's a difference, you know, I'm definitely not saying you can't be happy unless you're in a relationship. Um, making that choice from, like you said, a default or from fear mm-hmm. and from a self-protective place is not an empowered place to make that choice. You know, yeah. that's a big, I'll just share personally, that's a big thing I'm going through regarding having a child. I'm like, ooh. I don't know. <laughs> it opens up to a lot of, a lot could go wrong. <laughs> Do I really want to love something that much and have something happen? Like, there's a lot of fear. And I, I have to really look at, am I making this choice from fear or am I really making it from my heart? Mm-hmm. And so I just really send that question back to you. Are you making this choice about relationship from fear or from your heart? I want to, I hope I can remember that Mm. and, and in day-to-day life, you know, to ask myself that question. Mm. You can, I think a big part is just to start opening your heart to people and maybe an animal and really starting to slowly, gently allow yourself to love again, allow yourself to be close again. Mm-hmm. And to know that, again, just because you had a lot of experience with loss doesn't mean it still has to be your story and your experience. And exactly, like you said, that soul lesson, when you really learn how to love yourself, then you don't need loss to keep being the teacher. Loss is the teacher for how to love yourself. If you really do that, then you don't need that teacher doesn't need to come in that lesson. And you can trust that. Thank you so much. I'm letting that soak in. Yeah. I got, you know, excited about this thinking of this. Am I making, asking myself that question? Am I making this decision from my heart or from fear and, um, how applicable that is to so many aspects of my life, Mm. um, that I'm wanting to really, I think, um, soak in this describing of the really loving my and nurturing myself. Um, yeah, because there's a lot to learn still there. (laughs) Yes. So what I would suggest is anything that evokes the loving and nurturing. Maybe it's watching mother-daughter movies or just things that show that love so that you can start to model it from within. Maybe it's, you know, spending time in nature is another beautiful way to really start to cultivate more of that receiving. Because there's a part of you that is so afraid to receive love, like so afraid to be connected to anything because you don't want to lose it. And when I feel into you, Rachel, you have such a sweet heart like so lovable, so full of love and so much love to give. And I, I, there's two things I would hate for you to miss out on. One, being deeply loved, but also giving all the love you have to give. Sure, something like a puppy or relationship comes with a lot of, like it's a big commitment, but you have a lot of love to give. And what are you going to do with all that love? 
Well, Christine, something just came to me when you Mm. said that, and that I think it's also loving and nourishing myself when I disappoint myself or when I'm not perfect, quote unquote, because that's coming up a lot for me right now. Absolutely. With eating and yeah, and all of that. And I think it's finding that balance, which is, you know, I'm really looking forward to the inner child level too. Mm, Beautiful. Um, Yeah. And that disciplining parent as well, sort of, just to, to, to help. And it's not always discipline, but it's also when I don't perform a hundred percent. Yeah. How do yep. I, or when I'm angry or irritated? Yep. yep. How I love myself. Yep. And you've got a lot of love to give. Start giving it to yourself, and then that extends out to others as well. But your your life does not have to be one of loss and loneliness anymore. It really doesn't. Thank you so much. So thank you, Rachel, for so much honesty, so much vulnerability and so much openness. It was beautiful to have this conversation and, and really share and connect about some things that you've been carrying around for a long time. So let's break down this call a little bit. Initially, Rachel was saying that she's feeling a relationship block in her life and how not to allow thoughts that maybe she just doesn't want a relationship because it felt like too much. It's hard to stay stable, hard to keep a job, not escape, all those kinds of things. And we didn't dig too much into that, but that was from her childhood and losing her mom at seven, being moved around a lot. When we don't have that stability and structure in our life, in our childhood, things become very overwhelming as an adult because they're still a traumatized child running the show a lot. So that's why a lot, having a lot going on to someone who moved around a lot or had a parent that died or just didn't have someone really there to provide structure and stability. That's why it's hard to have a lot, well, to feel like you have a lot on your plate. So that's one thing that we didn't dive into, but that I wanted to bring up in in the breakdown for Rachel is that as she starts to parent that inner child more and give herself more stability and structure, things won't feel overwhelming. And another thing that we discussed is we collect evidence for what we believe, right? So she believes that a relationship is going to take more work. That's what she'll see. And that's what she continues to believe. But when we really dove into it and talked about all the loss, I mean, so much loss, loss of mom of seven, also the physical separations from her brothers, and then the loss of her adopted mother. So, so, so much loss. So There were sort of three main things that were influencing whether or not she wanted a relationship. You know, part of her wanted it and and is longing for that connection because there's a hole in her heart, not literally, but there's an, an emptiness from all the loss. The second part of her is so afraid of loss. She's blocking it out because why love someone? Why even get a dog? You know, she says, well, that'd be a lot of work, but what's really underneath that is I don't want to lose. And then the third thing is that no man can ever replace the mother. And she even said that I'm looking for more caretaker people. So it's almost like she sort of knows that the kind of relationship she's longing for is that more mothering one and no man will ever be able to fulfill that. So better just to like stay out of the relationship game, period. But then when I asked her, what do you want your life to look like in a year? Which is a good question to ask yourself whenever you're confused about how badly you want something. She said, you know, I'd love to have a partner and I can feel that. I can feel that 
that sense of wanting a partner, wanting a family, wanting a lot of what she lost in her childhood. And even though she feels like this is a fear of commitment, it's really a fear of loss. Most people's fear of commitment is really a fear of loss, either losing the person that they commit to or losing themselves. And I know my husband has talked about this a lot is that in his prior relationships where he had massive fear of commitment and infidelity and all those kinds of things, it was, he was fearing he would lose himself because that was such a big wound for him in childhood, feeling abused and overprotected and just feeling like he lost himself. So if you or anyone you know is experiencing a fear of commitment, really see it as as more of a fear of loss, either again, losing the love or losing the person or losing yourself or a combination of both. And that's where conscious relationships can really be a healing modality. Again, we have to parent ourselves. We have to heal that inner child. We have to know that we're whole and complete and a relationship can touch a place inside ourselves that we can't get to on our own. So if you are someone that's feeling, I don't want a relationship ever, that's great. If you don't want a romantic relationship, that's great that you are clear. I just encourage you at least have intimate relationships in your life with people, with friends, where some of those needs that you can't get to on your own, some of those wounds from childhood can start to be healed through our interaction with others. Because remember, we don't live in an totally independent world. We don't want to be totally independent. We don't want to be codependent. We want to be interdependent. And that brings me to loneliness. So that's another coping mechanism. I see people who felt very alone as children, they will go and lead a very solitary life and think that that's what they want because to avoid that feeling and that pain around feeling lonely as a child, they just sort of stay in that energetic and continue living a more lonely, solitary life because they don't know any different. And so those, that old wound doesn't need to come up. So I know that may not make a lot of logical sense, but if you are someone that lives a solitary, lonely life and you think, Oh, I'm just an introvert. I like this better. Is it really true? Or is loneliness such a wound from your childhood that you're just perpetuating it in your adulthood? And like I said in the intro, there was a point in this session where I really switched from coaching or diving deep into more conversational. And I even shared something very personal from my own life about the decision to have a child that was something that I was struggling with for so long. And I did this because I wanted Rachel to have a relational experience. You know, so much of what she's saying she wants, but what she's afraid of at the same time is a relationship. So I wanted to give her more of a relational conversational experience so she could see how connected to herself and her own intuition that she was. I didn't give her a lot of aha moments. I didn't give her a lot of this is why this. It was more just talking and sharing and and having a conversation and also sharing something personal from my own life so she could feel that relational experience. So some takeaways for you. Remember, whatever has been your primary teacher in your life doesn't have to be a consistent lesson, all right? So Example, if you had a lot of loss in your life, it can, it can be a teacher 
It can be a lesson of your past. You, you, you can get to a place where you're like, okay, I've learned it. And I trust that lessons learned. I passed the test. I, this doesn't have to be my consistent teacher anymore. Really, truly, whatever it was, loss, abandonment, rejection. If it happened a lot, even if it happened a lot up until yesterday, no, that doesn't have to be your constant teacher. But if you believe that's all you get, then that's all you get. Next, any decision that you're dealing with, really ask yourself, am I making this choice or formulating thoughts about this choice from fear or truly from my heart? For all of us, it's important to connect to that mothering, nurturing energy, whether you're male or female, we need to connect to that archetypical mother, loving, gentle, soothing energy. It's important for our well-being. And finally, if you're someone that deals with loneliness, give love to yourself and others. That's one of the best ways to overcome loss and to overcome loneliness because both of those things leave us feeling very empty, very, very empty, feeling lonely, feeling lost, emptiness. So you want to fill that emptiness with your own self-love and then extending that love out to others. All right, everybody, that is the show for today. As always, thank you for listening, sending you so much love and many blessings. Thank you for listening to Over It and On With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.